0: Now it's time for this. News Talk's Executive Chair. Thanks to Irish Jobs. When it comes to hiring the right people for your business,
1: you could say we've got a talent for talent.
0: I'm delighted to welcome to the Executive Chair, Maliosa O'Queve. She's the Chief Executive and the Country Head for Northern Trust Ireland. Maliosa, you're very welcome to the programme.
1: Thank you, Bobby. Lovely to be here.
0: Now, I'm delighted you came in to talk to us this morning. Bring us back to Stillorgan in South Dublin. Uh, your early life, uh, your thoughts on becoming a chartered accountant. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Yeah, certainly. I grew up in Stillorgan, as you said. I'm uh, the second youngest of seven siblings. So I have uh, one sister and a, a great big five brothers.
0: Wow. Yeah, and All uh, to look after you in the yeah, early days. Yeah,
1: yeah. Grew up in, uh, obviously went to side Hill in, to school. And then after that, I went to UCD where I studied politics and economics. So that was the start of the journey. And then having finished my politics and economics, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So uh, chartered accountancy seemed like a good route. And that was how I landed with Arthur Anderson, where I trained as a chartered accountant.
0: Okay. And did you like accountancy? Or when you say you, you weren't sure you were studying politics and economics, yeah. did you just think that was maybe a good business uh, move? or
1: yeah, It was more of a, a good, kind of, it seemed like a, a, a wise move. I, I, I certainly loved the professional environment. I loved the training. I couldn't claim that I loved accounting as a subject, but uh, I qualified and I, you know, I obviously learned a huge amount there. I also got to travel a bit when I was with that firm because I went to, I spent a while out in uh, Sydney and I spent about a year in Budapest oh, did you? You know, during the time. So I, I, I gained an awful lot in, in so many ways, uh, you know, during that period.
0: And from there, you went on uh, to work in asset management for yeah. eight years. That was, I suppose, the precursor to Northern Trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and what I, you learned there.
1: I will. It was kind of funny. I finished up uh, and I, I thought I'll I'd, I'd look for a new area, a new job. And I went into one of the recruitment agencies and he said, OK, so what are you interested? And I said I'm interested in anything except financial services, which will give you an idea. And he's, oh no, no, worries. you're making a terrible mistake. You have to meet meet this particular chap. And I suppose I had a notion at the time that financial services was a bit of a, um, you know, there wasn't re- real people, real business going on, and I wanted to, to be, you know, really be doing something very, very tangible. And to my disbelief, when I went in and met with this chap who was uh, the CEO of of this starting this firm that was moving to Ireland, an asset management firm, I couldn't believe it. There were real investors and there were real products and, and real people. Yeah, and, and it was really. And to be honest, I, I that was thankfully he saw something in me, and I've never looked back. in okay. terms Of career,
0: um, you've been with uh, Northern Trust for over twenty years, Melissa. Um, the corporation that was founded in Chicago in 1889 now i know that it's a provider of wealth management asset servicing asset management but sometimes do you struggle to get the message out there of what you actually do yeah
1: no it's a really good it's a really good point so people often like they kind of understand what's happening in the domestic banks you kind of get that okay but what is this international financial services thing what are funds so yeah we get that question all the time and can i just kind of in a nutshell, yeah, tell you. So basically, all over the world, you have global investment managers and they're coming up with ideas. Or you could say, them? we would say in, my, in our speak, they're manufacturing ideas which they form into products. That could be, uh, you know, a value fund invested in US equities. It could be bond funds. It could be money market funds. Or, you know, it even could be a private equity fund invested in a nature uh, uh, venture in Africa. So, I mean, it could be any, it's such a wide array of products. So they come up with this idea and then they come to Ireland and they put it into a legal construct or a fund vehicle that we've over time have developed. And then they distribute that again around the world. So if you think investment managers in Ireland and around the world coming up with ideas, putting them into these legal vehicles and then selling them and distributing them around the world. So we really are a global hub that enables people to to distribute their products to business in Ireland.
0: And when we look then at the customer base uh, for these services, we're looking at corporations, institutions, you say affluent families and individuals. So yeah. clearly people who need to put wealth somewhere.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it can be every type. Now, we we obviously look after all of those investors on behalf of, of our clients, but it can be all of those things that you've just described. Right. But, it, you know, it, it would tend to be weighted towards institutions and corporations and what I'd call family offices. It would tend to be, and these are people who are, who are looking to invest their money in accordance with their needs and their strategies. And that's the, the product piece. And then it comes into Northern Trust via that way. Can, can I bring out one thing that I think is really, really important? And, and I I you're, you've referred to me being 20 years at Northern Trust and I'm 30 years actually in the industry. Do you know that 30 years ago, there wasn't even a financial services sector in Ireland? We were starting out. And I do think this is something... In Ireland, we can we can forget at how good we are at executing ideas. So back over thirty years ago, many people would have thought it was too ambitious an idea to put a financial services sector in Ireland. And isn't it stunning to see what we've got to in terms of the the success? So we've seventeen thousand people directly employed in this sector that I just described, and we have thir- another seventeen indirectly. So that's that's a lot of. People working Yeah. In the industry. But also more to the point, they are highly skilled jobs. I, I'm not saying, it's not rocket science, we're not saving lives. But this is complex enough stuff. Sure. And we've had to build up that expertise over the time. But Ireland has become real, real specialists at delivering this service around the world. And we sometimes just take these things for granted. So I think it's worth pausing.
0: No, and I think well worth saying. And in indeed, in your own case, Uh, You've got 1,800 staff now, 400 in Dublin, 1,400 in Limerick. And, you know, you only started in the year 2000.
1: I know, I know. Isn't it stunning? And I suppose maybe the best way for me to describe that journey is actually to personalise it. So when I joined Northern Trust 20 years ago, we had 80 employees in Dublin. Yeah, Today we have 1,800 employees and we now have the office in Dublin, but we also have an office in Limerick. So we've uh, 400 people in Dublin and 1,400 people in
0: Limerick.
1: So that's... A, and then mm-hmm. just a couple of other things. We were at the time... The, the 13th largest administrator and custodian, there's a ranking. And we're now the second largest administrator and custodian. So so there's a, a lot of measures there in terms of the success and growth.
0: Tell us about your own journey through the organisation yeah. over the 20 years. Yeah. What sort of jobs did you do, uh, ultimately becoming the chief executive in the yeah. country head? Yeah, what, was... what was the step to getting there?
1: Yeah, so I, had, I came into Northern Trust in an operational role, so I was head of ops. And I did various iterations of that. And Northern Trust did a couple of acquisitions throughout that period. So I had various, uh, you know, integrating of other parts of, of into the business, etc. And a lot of growth. So I, I ultimately then became Chief Operating Officer. And then I thought, well, I have the finance as an accountant. I've now done operations. So what's next? So I moved into the client-facing side. So I became the Head of Client Services, which was like a completely <coughs> different switch in your brain. Yeah. Okay?
0: And a very and, public role yeah. in terms of, yeah.
1: Yeah, but I often felt that I'd already, because Northern Trust, everyone at Northern Trust is talking to our clients. So that's part of that, that, you know, so so it wouldn't. What be, you do? Yeah, it's part yeah. of what we do, so it wouldn't be strange. But uh, certainly, that that client facing role and being involved in that, I really, really enjoyed it. It was like I had landed home, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then that that <clears> enabled <throat> me. And it is one of the things that I think is very important is that kind of meandering around different areas of the business. There's many ways you can progress your career, but meandering around is the one I always advise.
0: Well, also uh, in terms of knowing what's going on in the business, yeah. what better way to do it yeah. than to work. In the various departments,
1: yeah, yeah, no doubt. And
0: the complexity of the business environment—does that frustrate you at all? Is that one of your challenges? Yeah, with I mean, regulation, legislation, yeah. all that GDPR stuff. Yeah,
1: I know. Yeah, I'm not going to say that regulation <laughs> is the favourite part of the business, but obviously, it's it's necessary, and it's something that that we take very, obviously, terribly seriously. And there's co- it's a constant treadmill of change. Yeah. There's no doubt. But we have fabulous teams across the globe and here in Ireland who are, you know, expert at making sure that we're doing all the right things and complying. And, you know, and, and there's a lot of growth in the business as well. And that growth, you know, is such a huge opportunity.
0: Let me ask you about the 30% Club. Uh, I know you're the chair of the organisation. 300 members representing, what, almost 650,000 Employees, just uh, we don't have a lot of time, but I'm interested in why you got involved in that. yeah, um, and you know what does it mean to you personally and I suppose corporately?
1: Yeah, okay, so just to remind everybody first, the thirty percent club is a global campaign that's supported by chairs and CEOs and in large and small medium organizations. and they're basically committed to getting greater gender balance at all levels within their organisation. And they're committed to that because it makes business sense.
0: Which I think is a fundamental yeah. parameter of, you know, of, of making good business sense, yeah. then makes it a good business idea.
1: Yeah, and like there's no doubt that all the studies will tell you that diverse teams, and clearly I'm talking about gender diversity, but there's a much broader interpretation of diverse diversity. Diverse teams are more innovative, diverse teams get better results, Our customers are diverse, so they sort of expect us to be diverse too. So why wouldn't you? you And then the other Mm. bit that I think is really emerging, and it's a bit that I'm particularly interested in linking back into my industry, is that firms that have real tangible demonstration of commitment to diversity are seeing more inflows in terms of investment. So it's one of the criteria that people, when they're investing their money, they want to know is it going into places that are taking all of these think diversity actually inclusion seriously. So so there's there's so many reasons. But you asked me what, what got me involved, I mean clearly, you know, I I, I am a woman. So I mean I'm found to have had with five brothers and a sister. So I'm clear to have had a big interest always in, in that kind of and so i am probably in my DNA from an early age to be very focused. But I'm a real believer in fair play.
0: Yeah great. Yeah. Uh, Finally, can I ask you about uh, going back again to the beginning? You're an accomplished harpist. (laughs) You played the harp at the jury's cabaret. Your first job, age thirteen. Now I have some knowledge of that because I worked in it as well. But what an early education!
1: Yes, you're right. What an early because I was like this shy thirteen-year-old and. I went, as I mentioned, to Sidon where the harp was taught, and I was able, I got the opportunity to audition. Uh, And I, anyway, was in there at 13, this shy 13 year old who suddenly. Into this environment, but you know, it was really good for me. I, I, you know, I learned a lot. I met really, really nice people, and Absolutely. It, it was fun. It was a bit of fun.
0: Well, listen, uh, every success, Melissa, on Northern Trust for all you're doing there. It's a great business, and thanks for joining us today for a chat in the executive chair. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Bobby. It was lovely to talk to you. Down to business with Bobby Kerr, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.